0: Hello, all and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that usually dares to be both on topic and on location. We're doing special quarantine editions here, reaching out to our wonderful communities on premises, wherever they happen to be. So we're still keeping with the spirit of the show. And each time we meet, we bring together IT luminaries from their homes in this case, to discuss a single concept. In this iteration, we'll be discussing if COVID-19 is a security disaster. We've talked about a little bit of doing IT support in a previous episode, and I think the security angle on this is really important. We'll get on to all of that in just one second. I am, of course, your moderator, Rich Straffolino, but let's go around the round table, virtually as it may be, and meet our panelists for today.
1: Hi, I'm Zeri, and you can find me on Twitter at RoseSecOps that's
2: r-o-s-e-s-e-c-o-f-o-p-s <laughs> hi everybody Tricia uh, trisha howard you can find me on twitter at trisha kicks sass that's t-r-i-c-i-a-k-i-c-k-s-s-a-a-s
3: and uh, i'm justin warren you can find me on twitter as at jp warren or our website is pivot9.com
0: Excellent, excellent. So let's jump right into it. The idea that COVID-19, it, it certainly has impacted area, all areas, I think, of, of millions and millions, if not billions of people's lives at this point. What we want to talk about specifically here is not just in general, the business aspect of it, but the, the specific security implications. So I guess we'll start the conversation with is COVID, does, does COVID-19 have the potential to be a security disaster? And maybe where does the the threat surface um, expand the most, given that everyone is, you know, working from home, there is maybe perhaps more limits to where we can do IT support or, or how quickly we can do that. We're extending networks, you know, where does, uh, you know, the, the security problems come in? Zoe, can you uh, start us off here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got two sides to it. So I, I'm choosing the Absolutely brilliant consultancy answer of it depends, <laughs> I know that's the worst, <laughs> but but I'm looking at it from the point of view of um, working with global teams. So I've worked with teams all over the world, I mean I'm currently sat in Ireland um, but that doesn't mean my clients are all in Ireland um, and even if they are I can't obviously move to them right now but um, I'm used to always having that consideration of, okay, well, what happens if you're not available? You know, looking at um, working with people in other countries, uh, they have a tech issue and they're in a different time zone. So what happens if your help desk isn't there, you know, or isn't available? Um, So I look at things like, you know, self password resets, those, regardless of where you are or when you are, that's going to work, you know, and that's, that does take pro planning. Um, and so I want to say that if a company did invest in business continuity, did invest in remote working, did, and I'm not saying that would make it perfect mind you, um, but they would have already considered these things. And like, for example, the company I work at, um, our business continuity plan involved us working from home. So we all have laptops, we all have um, provided mobile phones. So I've got my personal, I've got my uh, company, I've got my personal laptop, I've got my company laptop, and I don't mix them. So the privacy side is already considered. The security side, you know, I'm working remotely securely because we already considered that. It wasn't perfect, mind you. There still were some bumps along the way, um, the way we access stuff. All of that, you know, had to be considered. But it wasn't this massive, scary nightmare, mind you. I do work for a smaller company. Uh, when it comes to very large enterprises, I do see the issue with training, um, kind of having people learn. Like it's just like being a you know sysadmin and going from physical hardware to the cloud. You know there is training, there is a change of perception and understanding of access of you know securing it. If you do it from the beginning, security and privacy by design and by default, you're already safer off. So I feel like it's a bit lazy to blame COVID saying, no, this whole issue is all because of this. Because at the end of the day, that's how the world works. Like COVID is the latest, but it's not the only thing that's happened. You know, I've had to work from home before. I I mean, people just have to understand that. The world doesn't work where people have to be in person, and I just I feel like it's a bit lazy saying that that's the problem. I don't know, is that could <laughs> <that enough> not answer? <laughs> no,
0: uh, that that's great. You know, the idea that you know maybe this brings to light existing issues. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like an order of ma- you know several orders of magnitude, maybe greater than anyone perhaps would have thought. But yeah, I, I definitely no, don't think I agree with that.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but but one thing that really stood out to me, and I felt almost like. Because I was a citizen years and years ago and I felt almost really guilty. It is this lady, I think it was a lady, wrote on uh, Twitter, Oh, now everybody gets to see how a disabled person deals with going to conferences. And I felt so bad when I read that because I love going to conferences. I love the in-person. I don't like the streaming as much because I need that interaction. But then I realized, well, actually, it doesn't matter what I like. Like that, you know, it's it's kind of awful to be like oh this is the only thing we do so we should have kind of planned for it but then again saying you yeah, know should have done that is kind <laughs> of a dick thing to say as well <laughs> sorry
0: yeah uh am I'm, I'm wondering what you take on our premise today
2: yeah so i think disaster might be a, a really strong word i do think that it is a problem. Um, so I'm here in New York. And uh, from my personal experience, we went from everything is fine to the world is burning within a matter of hours, um, pretty much the way that everything was going. And and a lot of companies here in New York are financial, and a lot of them are very uh, traditional in the way that they have their setups, their IT setups. You know, maybe 20% of their workforce is set up to work from home. Um, now, my company here, I come from a similar background to Zoe... Uh, in, as far as like size and we're a consultancy and stuff. So I was set up, I was fine, but there were a lot of people who were not. And w- what's happening From my view, what I've seen is three things that would potentially make it a disaster. One, you have IT teams and security teams who are trying to do these projects that would normally take months, sometimes years, depending on how large your organization is and doing them in a matter of days. Uh, So things are going to be missed. uh, Workarounds are going to have to be found. It's just part of of it, right? We're just trying to get everybody to be home and safe, which is the most important part of this whole thing. Um, The other thing is, if you've ever talked to me before, you know that this was going to come up, security awareness and the people, um, the people who are sitting at home um, who both have never worked from home before and also the ones who are used to working from home and have a routine. Now, everybody is being affected by this. Um, So you have the people who are being overly cautious about COVID, that's where we saw all of these um, fake maps that were showing up that were actually embedded with malware, Um, you have, so people are being overly cautious and actually making mistakes because of that. And then on the other side, you have the parents who have three kids trying to set them up for distance learning while they have an 8 a.m. conference call and haven't had their coffee yet and are trying to and get an email from their boss saying, you need to do this right now. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, people are less vigilant uh, than they would normally sitting in the office. They also, if um, they also, if they have, are used to an office setup you could walk over to somebody and be like, Hey, I got this weird email. I got this, you know, I like, is this something I should do or walk over to, um, you know, Amy in accounting, hey, did you request this invoice? This isn't normally how we do it. So I think I think there is a potential for that there. Um, the the main thing is that we need to, uh, I'm going to steal this from uh, Dr. Mike, who I was watching uh, for <laughs> for a long time, um, is to be alert, not anxious, right? You know, I think the panic is actually the potential for the security concern here, because people will stop paying attention and stop doing the things that they have been trained to do, if they've been trained to do it, which is a whole other brand. Um, but for the <laughs> ones who who would normally not click on that phishing email and give up their credentials or not put oh not put these um social engineering answers on social media please, stop. please, stop. please. oh my i actually i put a joke tweet out yesterday and some of the responses were legitimate and i had to actually like DM them and say please delete this. This was a joke. I said your quarantine name is uh, the name of your first pet, your mother's maiden name, and of where you went to high school. And people actually responded because wow. people are not thinking about it. Right? A lot of them were jokes, uh, but there were a couple that were legitimate. So these kinds of things might seem kind of minuscule when you p- parse them out, but when you put them all together, then that's where we become. That's where we have an issue. Mm-hmm.
0: And Justin?
3: Yeah, I'd, I echo that. I'll probably follow on from what Tricia was saying that the humans are the hard part. Technology's easy. Humans are hard. Um, so it's it's partly the humans having to adapt in a hurry uh, to doing things mm-hmm. that they're not used to. So we're not working from home. We're trying to work while we're at home because we have to stay here during a global pandemic. And as Tricia said, we're juggling nine different things and you know, people who haven't homeschooled have to now try to homeschool their children while working full-time and or still continuing to travel. For those of... You know, There's a lot of people who can't actually work from home. Their job means going out into the world. Uh, so for them, it's, it's coupled with a whole bunch of actual real life-threatening, scary stuff going on. But that's right now when you've got that initial spike of adrenaline and energy that comes from dealing with a crisis. That's going to go away. And this this whole thing that we're going through this is not going to be over in weeks or you know a couple of months this is many many months so fatigue is going to start to to kick in and i think Mm -hmm. that's that's probably there's dangers at each at each one of these (laughs) these inflection points so it's it's there is no one thing it's it's multi-layered but i think the the thing that's concerning me is the fatigue where people will start to they'll get sloppy because they're tired you know they've been trying to do this new thing that they're not used to and having to adapt really quickly and sucking at it and they're going to start to burn out and then we're going to start to see what happens when humans get tired and can't do the things that the technology wants it's set up that'll run quite happily um for months on end it's when the humans get tired they'll start making mistakes they'll start getting bored they'll start doing things that they wouldn't have normally just because they don't want to be stuck in their house anymore and they'll start to take risks that they might not necessarily have taken otherwise just because they're bored so that's that's the kind of stuff I'd be looking for
1: I, I would I would comment on two things there is I, I do agree with you 100% the only thing that sticks out to me is the technology side is it works if it's been done properly but when you're in a rush a lot of the times it's not done properly so I would say that is uh, that is still quite a big risk Um especially adapting when you've not invested prior to so adapting quickly when maybe you're not as educated to know how to do it properly um also the fatigue part is a massive thing I totally agree with you on that That the only yeah, actually, comment that
3: yeah that's a good sorry. point Zoe because a lot of this as you're saying the maintenance of stuff so yeah once it's set up it runs that way all you know continues to work it's like yeah until it doesn't and we all know that tech breaks and now we don't have like the IT department just next door. So like we, I was talking with my um, uh, my, my EA earlier today. saying, like, you know, please don't break a computer, because, <laughs> like physically, because <laughs> we'd have to order a new one. And I don't know how long that's going to take to like even just to ship parts out. So we're going to have so that, that's another whole risk of like now we've got to go and off. do our work on the spare laptop that we last booted up three months ago or, you know, two years ago, and that hasn't had any patches applied or so there's, you know, all all that sort of stuff's going to happen.
1: Well, one thing that I really, really appreciated was um, Michael Bezel's comment. He did a special on his podcast about um, Intel techniques, about privacy and security at home and employers that you know, maybe they've sent you home to work, but they didn't provide you with a secondary um, uh, internet connection, so you're using yours, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't provide you. You know, and so it's like, it's not just the training, it's just, just the people, it's also the company, you know, and, and their almost ethics, like, is whilst, yeah, it's easier to just say, well, you, you you have internet, so use yours. It's not really appropriate, because if you've not provided them, you know, that's, that's a breach of their privacy. You don't need to know them home IP address unless it's agreed on prior to, you know, and as a non-technical user, um, maybe I don't know that. And I just use, you know, and, and that's mm. kind of unfair. So I think I'm pushing a lot of the blame on the company. <laughs> if you've not <laughs> noticed, I'm like, as no, it should yeah. be. But, but, um, but I I'm think there it should with be. You. I, Management yeah. is,
3: they're, they're, they're the ones who should take the fall for most of this I'm not, stuff. I'm not saying
1: do. that they should have seen this ahead of time, mind you. I'm not saying, well, you should have planned for it, um, because there are people that did plan for this. I was not one of them, did not expect this to happen. Um, <laughs> but um, but I did adapt, hopefully, and hopefully I've done things properly. But um, I also have a company that knows how to deal with people remote working. Um, I also am more technical, so I know how to remote work, mostly, um, theoretically, um, and I feel like it's a bit unfair to be like, oh, well, you know, it, it's not that hard. You could do it. Um, follow the, watch this guide on how to, because some people don't learn well online. Like I, I like watching videos, but there's something to be said about physically having somebody else walk you through something you know and and there's something else to be said about you know, maybe I'm not comfortable doing a video call at home you know maybe you shouldn't re- require that and that comment you made about um, um, in, uh, people that have kids working from home as well um, it's, it's almost like this additional stress and, and maybe micromanaging because you're not used to people working remotely is going to add that fatigue much quicker mm. and I feel like yep. that's my security concern is more around the people's mental health because consider an insider threat. Now you don't have them in the office. Uh, if you've not set logging and monitoring up right away because you're just trying to get it all working, well, maybe you're missing things and if somebody's really unhappy, especially if they're distanced from everyone else, it can be really easy. to. To then become quite disgruntled, um, and I mean, this book I read uh, last year on uh, it's called um, "Lost Connections" by this author that talks about depression and loneliness and how society um, has become quite distant, and that's what you know causes it. In this like quarantine time, you're not only stressed, you're not only being asked to do things you don't feel like you're qualified to do, and you're distanced from your colleagues. I mean. Talk about a great, great Petri dish of insider threat growth.
0: That was actually, that was going to be my thing Is is kind of, you know, once we are, whenever we are post- quarantine at some point in the future wow. is that um, like one of the things that uh, I don't know changes but maybe sees more mass adoption is you know more uh, a, a better understanding or, or better adoption of something like user access controls and stuff like that going forward um, consider you know I, I mean everyone, everyone's talking that so. yeah <laughs> everyone's talking that you know nothing you know there we're, there's no going back to normal from here certainly people will go back into offices at some point mm-hmm. but you know maybe working from becomes much more common coming out out of this, do you see any long other long-term security implications, I guess?
1: I would hope, long-term, that people start seeing how sexy logging and monitoring is. <laughs> 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 and like, grouping that not just saying like oh i'm logging this and that and that but like centralizing it and so seems become the new sexy thing that would make me so happy and you know actually using machine learning and artificial artificial intelligence to like create you know the baseline and then being able to identify i can't say this word anomalous anomalous activities oh i said it that would be my goal
0: (laughs) (laughs) trisha anything that you're seeing
2: yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, uh, but I do, I do hope that I do hope that uh, security awareness becomes more of a more of a push, um, and and true security awareness. Right, there are a lot of companies that claim that they do security awareness, and what they do is they put a module out for somebody to click through, and that they don't actually care, and they don't actually continue continually test their people. Um, that's it, there's a huge difference. Like I can throw up. Um, I can throw up any sort of, uh, here, don't click on this phishing email. Great. I won't do that. Sure. Of course, Trisha, I won't. But then what happens whenever they do? So I, I think, um, I think we should definitely have stronger and more personal, um, a- approach to security awareness. I think that that's, uh, because that's what people are going to start at, or people are going to uh, react to. I also wanted to piggyback off of what Zoe said on the, um, you know, the insider threat. Now she talked about the insider threat from a, uh, Uh, From a specific point of, or, um what is the word that i'm looking for intentional point of view mm-hmm. intentional right so she's talking about the intentional point but a lot of the insider threat is not intentional it's abs- it's it's people who don't know that they're doing something wrong or or back to what she said as well with the with the management like get this done now you need to have this meeting blah, blah blah well this is a real scenario that happened to me a couple of or a week or so ago my internet went out in my house entirely right my cable was down every everything was down it was the hardware failure within my box what do I do now I have a um, I have a hotspot on my phone so that's what I worked off of and fortunately I know better I had the VPN running and just dealt with the fact that it took me 20 minutes to send an email. <laughs> but if you have, but if you have somebody who says, okay, their internet goes out and they have to use their hotspot for themselves and their three kids who can connect to their teachers and everything else, then start certain security protocols that were really great whenever you have everything working, start to go by the wayside. So finding ways to have secure workarounds and making security awareness and your security program people-centric rather than technology-centric, I hope that comes out of this.
3: I'm, I'm, a, bit of a, I'm a bit of a cynic about human nature. So um, <laughs> uh, one, one of my favorite quotes is that, that men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is uh, one of the most important lessons that history has to teach. <laughs> uh, I, look, I'd like to... I'd like to believe that people will start to design systems with privacy and, and data security at their core um, so that we don't actually like surveillance. I'm, I'm not a big fan of um, surveillance as a solution because watching people to catch them out when they make mistakes is kind of anathema. Um, it, uh, it it doesn't work as a as a safety design feature um, we like. For example, clicking on links, that's what links are for. They're for clicking on. So when people click on links in emails, like, well, we train them to do that. That's what links are for. So it sh- the systems should be designed better so that you can't actually call these, these problems. And that's on us. That's not on the people who have to use these. We as an industry have done a terrible job of designing computer systems to be secure. So we need to do a better job on that. But we, we're already trying to work on that and it's going to be slow going. Uh, I'd, I'd actually like for us to do a better job on that so that we don't have to surveil people so that there isn't data that could leak. We just don't keep it. You know, We don't store this stuff or we don't provide people with access to this stuff if they don't need it. We don't create situations where we have to ra- route uh, people's connections to Pornhub through our corporate VPN because they happen <laughs> to be working from home. Um, th- these are design issues. Um, and as much as I'd like to think that we, we might do a better job on that, um, I've been doing this for a little bit too long, I feel, and I <laughs> my, my confidence is not high. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: but, you know, kind of to, to close us out here, I think it's really encouraging to hear everybody here kind of taking that, you know, uh, regardless of how cynical we may be, that, you know, you really need to have this this people focused approach to this. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, we, we frame the premise of this, you know, uh, COVID-19 is a security disaster, certainly not to make light of it. I mean, I, I, I did want to uh, illustrate that. Uh, there are you know potentially um, some ma- you know major security issues coming out of this, but you know certainly uh, the the most important thing is that everybody is staying healthy and staying safe and staying inside their homes uh, at this time as well. And I I just really appreciate echoing that sentiment and kind of keeping people uh, top of mind and and realizing that you know as much as we want to follow security best practices, those weren't created uh, with <laughs> with our current situation in mind, and uh, we're all we're all just trying to adapt. Um, so thank you. Uh, to to, to each of you, um, let's go around the table one more time. Um, if people want to, let's maybe do some Twitter IDs. Uh, Zoe, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can I find you?
1: Well, I've got two. It uh, mm-hmm. depends on what you want to follow me for. One is uh, my everyday, uh, boring security stuff. <laughs> uh, that's Rose <laughs> SecOps again, Rose R O S E, Sec S E. Ops ops. If you want to learn about ferrets and you know hacker ferrets or ferret security, uh, you can follow me at ferretsecops. Well, follow my ferrets, obviously.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, I'm I'm Trisha kicks Sass, So Trisha kicks K I C K S S A A S, as in security as a service.
3: And uh, I'm Justin Warren. You can find me on Twitter as at JP Warren.
0: All right. And and, uh, uh, you can find me at Mr. Anthropology, M-R-Anthropology. Probably not a lot of security tweets. I'm not going to lie, but that's okay. (laughs) But thank you for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable. We really appreciate your time uh, while you're uh, sheltering in place. If you're listening to this, uh, perhaps in a more... um, Uh, externally uh, allowable time. Maybe you're listening to this uh, in the future. If you enjoyed this discussion, remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes. That really helps our visibility and share the show with more people. Uh, Share the love. We always appreciate that. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. Remember for show notes about this episode, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks. We'll see you next time. And remember, have a super sparkly day.